open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Hi, I'm Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. Welcome back. So listen, I've got a fantastic guest, Trace Mayer. Trace Mayer, welcome back to the Kaiser Report. Hey, glad to be here. Okay. <laughs> and now Trace is extremely buoyant because he made some prognostications a while ago about the future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And he's been proven absolutely correct. Uh, last time Trace was on our show, we talked about the geopolitical significance of Bitcoin and crypto. And since that time, Trace, we've seen developments in Russia, Japan, and other countries. I think the Russian development is quite interesting. Vitalik uh, over there at Ethereum, a face-to-face -face meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, this is kind of what we were talking about last time you were on Kaiser Report. What, what's your current thinking on this? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it across the globe. Bitcoin's be, being either legalized or there's bespoke legislation being passed to encourage it in pretty much every major country and lots of not-so-major countries. <clears throat> the Isle of Man has bespoke legislation uh, specifically for Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Then we have legalization in Japan. Uh, we have uh, Russia, the United States. We have uh, a lot of our South American countries. China even has been fairly friendly uh, in dealing with their exchanges there. So we're, I mean, it's, it's not being banned. Witches aren't being burned. You know, which is, uh, you know, they're not they're not going after uh, they're not putting Galileo under house arrest for doing math. You know, and that's really what Bitcoin is. It's just math. Right. So we're we're at least uh, we're, we're seeing that there's this drive towards uh, regeneration, you know, deciding that we're going to accept and use and, and innovate and allow uh, the fostering of this industry as opposed to uh, all out persecution of it. All right. Um, you know, you tend to uh, give folks the big picture. Uh, you're very well read. Very, um, uh, someone who's also involved in looking at the history of innovation and, and monetary theory and money. And uh, this, as you point out, is math. And, you know, going back centuries, innovation and technology has driven geopolitical um, development and tensions and resolutions. And uh, I love the way you kind of encapsulate uh, the, the history, you know, a, a kind of a potted version of the past 500 years of history and innovation and monetary theory. I, I, I don't put you on the spot, but if you can kind of walk us through again, you know, how you see this playing out. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we had the move from the, in the agricultural age to the industrial age. At the start of that, we had the invention of double entry bookkeeping. We had the rise of fiat currencies, fractional reserve banking, Isaac Newton, and the other polymaths were uh, definitely involved in all of this. He invented the gold standard. Copernicus wrote treatises on interest. Manuel Swedenborg, the head of mining up in Sweden, the father of neuroscience, a great anatomist. He was adamantly opposed to fiat currency and in favor of gold and silver. We had the Continental Revolution, the French Revolution. Uh, we, we saw this, even something as small as the stirrup. You know, that allowed knights to be on horses. It changed the battlefield of, uh, of Europe 
And then the longbow got invented that made knights obsolete. And then we had gunpowder and we had the printing press. And then we had Columbus who discovered the trade winds, which allowed the build out of America. And so likewise, Satoshi with Bitcoin has discovered the trade winds of cypherspace. It's the holy grail that the cypherpunks have been after. And now that we're able to reduce data, uh, reduce value into data itself and transfer it over a communications channel using our latest uh, infra, IT infrastructure, now we're going to be able to build out smart contracts. We're going to build, be able to build out cypherspace. We're going to, I mean, it's going to be huge innovation. And, it, and at the heart of it, it's triple entry bookkeeping. You know, just like we had an accounting revolution at the start of the industrial age, we're having an accounting revolution at the start of the information age. And so things like derivatives and how we value all this stuff and fiat currency and fractional reserve banking and not having transparency and not having atomic swaps and like failure to delivers and all these problems with our financial system that require bailouts, like the sun's rising on all of that. And okay. that's just going to have to just go away. It's just not going to be feasible anymore. All right. Let me just drill down to one phrase there, reduce value to data. Now we're here at the Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. And I see a lot of gold bugs here. And the gold community is still, I would say, 80 or 90% anti-Bitcoin, anti-crypto. They consider themselves to be the holy grail of value. Only they believe gold, you know, that gold is the true arbiter of value. What's, what's it going to take to convert the gold bugs? Do we just ignore the gold bugs? What do we do with the gold bugs? Trace Mayer. Uh, I mean, you, you introduced me as perhaps the world's foremost expert on gold and Bitcoin. Uh, when we did that geopolitical podcast. I mean, my blog was run to gold for crying out loud. I mean, I am a gold bug uh, and I've brought a lot of the gold bugs into Bitcoin. At the end of the day, we're, we're dealing with a, a technological innovation here. Gold is the same thing it was 2000 years ago. It's not extensible. Commodity money is great. It's limited in amount, but it's not extensible. Fiat currency is extensible. That's why we were able to transfer value over a wire telegraph. Right? And that's where we got a wire transfer from. But guess what? Fiat currency is not limited in amount. Well, now with cryptocurrency, we have both the ability to make it limited in amount and to transfer it over a communications channel. So, and we have the extensibility. So we get the best of all of them and none of the, none of the problems. But it's kind of funny. Was last year, you know, actually the supply of gold in the world through mining was up 6%. And the supply of Bitcoin, of course, has been reduced via the protocol. Yeah. So this idea that there's a, a lot of uh, you know, cryptocurrencies out there is kind of bogus in that the protocol actually is uh, designed to reduce the number. Of course, let me put my Peter Schiff hat on for a second, who will say, what about all these other crypto coins? There's 800 of them. You can just create a crypto coin out of nowhere. There's, there's just there's nothing to stop you from doing it. Uh, Trace, what do you say to faux Peter Schiff? Yeah, so when Bitcoin was $7, uh, I was at an investment conference in Palm Springs, and I'd just done an interview, and we had all the equipment set up. And guess who happened to walk by? Peter Schiff. And so I, I, being a fan of Peter Schiff, you know, I went up and we started talking and everything. And we're like, well, why don't we do an interview about Bitcoin and we can like educate the audience and everything about it? And he was like, well, I don't want you to make me look stupid. <laughs> and I, I mean, I thought this was about educating the audience, not about our own personal okay, egos. So speaking right? about personal egos, <laughs> I got to ask you this. Okay, we'll get into Peter Schiff later. Okay, you were at Anarchopolco with uh, our friend down in uh, Acapulco. Uh, Berwick, uh, Berwick, yeah. Jeff Berwick, and apparently there was some fireworks on stage between you and Roger Ver over the blockchain. You know, we, we're not we're not beyond being catty on this show, you know, uh, the, the, and, and talk about the uh, the gossip. But what was that debate about? Because now we have a resolution, right, in the scaling debate. So what were the the issues going into it, and where are we now 
uh, uh, Trace. Yeah, so the issue was is mainly about activating SegWit or not. And, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, we're building out cypherspace. And guess what? These protocols are becoming the constitutions of cypherspace. And the, the cement is not dry yet. That means we get, to, we get to put stuff in there or take stuff out. And personally, you know, being a fairly crypto anarchist capitalist, uh, a libertarian, I want the constitutions to be very protective of human freedom. Well, there are vested interests that don't. And blockchain could be a chain, you know, to, to really bind humanity with. And I don't really want to see that happen. Well, SegWit is a huge innovation in helping protect our monetary sovereignty. You know, making sure that Bitcoin doesn't become a chain around According us. According to uh, the Wikipedia page on Roger Ver, his thought, I don't, I'm not going to paraphrase here, but he wants to um, keep uh, go into a hard fork quickly because to keep ahead of a state actor who may get into the blockchain business and put the cypherpunk movement out of business. Um, why do a hard fork if you don't have to? Well, that's because because soft forks are backwardsly compatible. So why do a hard fork if you don't have to? And SegWit, we're able to do it as a soft fork that's backwardsly compatible. And it was interesting. Roger actually said, like, you know, I'm in favor of like all these things that SegWit does, but I'm not in favor of SegWit. So there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. Uh, I don't know why. At the end of the day, uh, it looks like SegWit's going to be activated and enforced by the end of August. So okay. it's kind of a moot point anyway. Okay, well, well, we'll have Roger on too. And, you know, with big respect for Roger, you know, he's, he's oh, I, I mean, a I big love pillar, Ro- p- pillar in the community. Yeah, I mean, I love Roger. We've been in the community publicly evangelizing it. Uh, I was a little bit earlier, January of 2011. That's when he bought his first Bitcoins. But otherwise, we've been around this for a long time together. And, you know, we, yeah, we can disagree. We can butt heads. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends. Is there something like bigger everything. than this? And we can call it game theory. And isn't this the biggest experiment in game theory we've seen ever? In other words, leading into this scaling debate, it seems that what's happened is the the incentivization of all parties involved prevailed at the end of the day, and the special interests were unable to co-opt the movement or the the chain, if you will. And and this is really something, an insight, I guess, that either Satoshi understood it or didn't understand it. But game theory, at the end of the day, you know, the the Nash equilibrium is 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 winning the day. Yeah, it's fascinating to see this, this sociological experiment on a massive scale with Bitcoin taking place. I think that's what we're seeing with people like Peter Schiff and uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of people who kind of downplay it as cognitive dissonance. You know, and Bitcoin is just this massive experiment of revealing cognitive dissonance. You know, and people like come and butt their head against Bitcoin and eventually split their head open. <laughs> they split their head before the <laughs> chain gets split. Before the chain gets split. Right. And it's, I think that's I mean, what we've seen. And, and Some that's, split heads. And that's, yeah, and that's, you know, we're cracking heads. And so it's like, you know, you got to leave your ego at the door yeah. with Bitcoin. Like you, you got to leave it at the door. And yeah, there, there, there is definitely game theory. There is economic incentive at work. There is, I mean, it is... It is a it is a sight to behold. I mean, there there will there there have already been thousands of academic papers written about this thing. I think we're going to see tons of them, not just in the math and the cryptography and the finance, but in the in the sociology, the psychology, game theory. Uh, we could see a lot of academic papers looking at this in terms of a case study because it's just been so fascinating to watch everything happen. I mean, it's just been 
unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's amazing for you to say that because I got a front row seat. Yeah, you got a front row seat. I mean, you've been participating in every facet of this development for years now, and you were saying earlier that it's even moving too fast fast for someone like yourself who's really like completely immersed in this. And it's just it's, with it's, a profit motive, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, and it's so fascinating how it works. Like I. I did a, an interview with Berwick, so user-activated software, BIP-148, it had maybe 200 nodes, and I did an interview with Berwick, and then I actually went and did a humanitarian trip and didn't have internet access for three weeks because I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I come back, and the interview's had 157,000 views, and the top of all the news sites for the last three weeks has been BIP-148, and there's this massive amount of like political pressure on the miners, and the, everybody's coalescing around BIP-148, and it, that we get this threat of the... the chain forking and and I mean all I did was like pull the pin out of the grenade, roll it in the miners oh, in the miners boardroom and like go on grenade. vacation. Another grenade trace. <laughs> all right, well, well it, makes it, makes of, it fun, right? Kind of out of time. So if people want to find uh, follow you and catch up on things, where where do they find you? Uh, yeah, so at Trace Mayor on Twitter and then I also host the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast where I interview all the CEOs and other top people in the Bitcoin space. So it's fun to hear what they have to say. All right, cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Max. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser, and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our guest, Trace Mayer. And if you want to catch us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. Until next time, bye, y'all. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.